What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in. As always, this week on the show, we have Dana Dentata, who is a very unique artist signed to Roadrunner Records, which is a famous metal label with acts like Corn and Slipknot. And when I was in high school, they used to have this band called Soulfly. Um, so I've been familiar with them a long time. She kind of sticks out on that label because she's the only solo female act to ever be signed to it. I found out about her earlier this year through the homie Adam, Adam Goes Ham on Instagram, Adam Weiss. Yeah, she's just a very intriguing character. And she's had a wild ride of a life that we get very deep into. So I think this is a very enjoyable episode. Even if you um, are judging a book by a cover and thinking it's not your type of music, it is what it is. It's still a very interesting interview. Not a lot going on right now. We're kind of in cruise control, waiting for the baby boy to come along. We're just doing all the like registry stuff now, which is new to us. I don't know if you guys have been following along, if I ever told the story about our wedding preparation. We were very fucking lazy about it. We're just not people that like to organize parties or get togethers. And, you know, hey, maybe there's an upside to COVID after all, because we can't have a, you know, shower or a gathering of that sort. So now we're trying to figure out the whole like sending cards out to people and just you know, prepping for a new human to be in our house, which is such a crazy idea. Mia's looking very pregnant. Her belly's getting big and there's, uh, you know, a little over two months left. We're in our third trimester now and the next two months, I'm sure she's going to start getting very uncomfortable. She's in the next room. So I'm trying not to let her hear me say this. Um, but yeah, it'll be a lot of work. We did get a snoo off of the homies that live down the street whose newborn just grew out of it because now he's like, you know, 11 months old or something. And uh, this is a an expensive technological piece of equipment that will help your baby sleep and give you a lot more peace at night, apparently, because you swaddle them basically in these like things with Velcro on them. So you can get them in there just real tight and snug. And then, you know, if it feels the baby squirming or something, it'll like start rocking it back to sleep and play white noise and I I don't know it's expensive and we wouldn't have bought one and now I'm glad that we got one for to borrow for free you know that's something that I'm learning about having a baby is that don't spend a lot of money right when you find out that you're pregnant because it turns out people want to give you all kinds of stuff we have two closets full of baby clothes already just from friends and family that have had babies recently I don't know that We'll have to buy any clothes for the baby, for Christ's sakes. You know, my brother just found out that um, their second child is going to be a girl. So I'm sure they'll just be shipping us boxes of stuff from my nephew Wyatt as he grows out of it. So, you know, everybody thinks, oh, man, I'm going to dress my baby so cute. Honestly, I don't give a fuck how that little baby is dressed. Uh, As long as he's warm, I don't care what his style is. When he's like 12, 13 and is worried about his personal style, then he can start worrying about his clothes. Until then, hey, bro, hand-me-downs all the way. That's all you get, hand-me-downs. Don't nobody care what your fucking baby is wearing. Anyway, I complained about this a little last week, but, man, I ordered some fucking kettlebells from Amazon like a month and a half ago, dude, at the beginning of December. And I realized at a certain point when I got some emails that said, hey, your your delivery's on the way. And then the next day it said, your delivery can't be shipped as is. 
And I'm thinking, what the fuck? So I give it a, uh, another week just watching if this like shipping label ever updates. And then I call Amazon and they're like, oh yeah, something went wrong. Okay, well, we'll cancel that order and we'll just put in a new order for the same thing. And then the same fucking thing happened. So that was like a full month process because each of those were like a two-week shipment. So finally, I call again and I say, look, the same goddamn thing happened. I was nicer than that. I was like, hello, sir. The same thing that happened on the last order happened on this order. And now it's just stuck in the shipping center somewhere and it's not going to make it to me. So I would like to fully cancel this order and then I'm going to order some new ones. Mind you, all of this is because I'm getting fat as shit during covid um quarantine and not being able to work out or go to gyms and just in general getting old and fat you know i'm trying to get back in shape before this fucking baby comes the kettlebells never come so i cancel the order order some new ones i look for kilogram ones instead of pound ones because i figure oh maybe the Europeans and Canadians aren't buying up all the kettlebells. Maybe it's only the Americans that are buying up all the kettlebells. Cause apparently there's like a kettlebell fucking shortage just about every weight that you would want to use. That seems reasonable is sold out or takes forever to ship. And finally I found some that are 12 kilograms, 25 pounds or 26 pounds. Don't make fun of me. I know that's pretty lightweight, but I'm very out of shape that would get shipped in two days. Right? So I order them. I order two of them. And lo and behold, I get one on Sunday. I ordered it on Friday. It comes on Sunday. I'm like, wow, this is great. This came so fast. But only one of them comes. So then I'm like, ah, oh, maybe the other one's just on a different truck. It's coming, whatever. I look on Amazon. It got sold out. I got one of them before it sold out or they shipped it. I don't know. Like something happened where it's like, hey, this product's no longer available. Like, i.e., I got the last fucking one on the planet. So now I have one kettlebell that's useless as shit. And if you've ever searched for weights online, you know that every brand is a little bit different size and stuff like that with kettlebells. Sometimes, you know, you want to do pushups where you're, you're, uh, inclined a little bit using those. And then as you come up, maybe lift up and balance on one of them. So you need them to be the same fucking size or you're going to like break your wrist. Right? So now I got one useless kettlebell I had to order another pair that look pretty much the same, but for some reason, $20 more expensive than the other one. Kettlebell is not cheap. Anyway, my point is I'm not trying to sound petty or cheap or whatever. I'm just fucking annoyed that I've been wanting to work out. And I feel like this thing of not getting these fucking kettlebells is keeping me from starting a workout routine. It's like the world is saying, don't worry about it, Lee. Just remain fat. You'll be fine. Just stay fat. It's cool, man. Who knows? Hopefully by next week, I'll have gotten a a matching pair of kettlebells i would have never thought that this would be such a crazy adventure i've already bought new workout shoes i was like i was like okay in order to exercise i'm gonna need new shoes because if i feel like i spend money then it'll make me exercise yeah now the shoes are just collecting dust they have not been used once yet because i feel like i don't have the proper tools to to pair with the shoes um the good news is my mf doom mask did make it from wherever ordered it off etsy got a lot of questions about where i ordered it hey guys just google it's on you know look for mf doom mask it'll pop up and it the quality fantastic i'm very satisfied with it now i have an automatic halloween costume every year r.i.p doom glad that i'm found a ma- i found a mask you know somebody hit me on instagram and said well i posted a picture of it they said this is corny bro just pay your respects I said, man, eat a dick and blocked him. So let me tell you something. If you think that you can interact with me on Instagram in a too comfortable of a manner, you'll never hear from me on Instagram again. 
Ah, man, the audacity of people. The absolute audacity. (sighs) Anyhow, I'm not going to talk anymore because this episode is long. I probably already ran long with a stupid rant about kettlebells. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dana Dentata. Tell me about yourself. I don't know very much about you other than that. I've seen you perform once before and I enjoyed the performance and that you had a guy dressed up as a demon. And that seems to be like a common theme, a lot of like demonic imagery with your stuff. Yeah. Yes. Well, there used to be. Used to be. I just recently axed it all. Why? Because it was bringing that darkness into my life and it was becoming real and I feel like I was manifesting it and promoting it in my own life and and then like a lot of spiritual stuff happened and shamans and people told me I'm inviting the darkness in oh my gosh so yeah like I realized I need to look towards the light and now I'm changing it all and no more demons and so does this mean you're going to be like a Christian rapper now (laughs) It's, I no, definitely not. Okay. But, like, I believe, I believe in like praying, spirituality, like, not not a strict like, oh, you have to do these specific rules. I think every individual is different. Right. But as far as like, upside down pentagrams and like darkness and that sort of shit, like, I think it's important to just always look towards the light, especially for someone like me who's lived in a lot of darkness. Like, I need to be looking towards the light, manifesting the light, surrounding myself with that light so that it just becomes my everyday. How long had you been personifying this sort of darkness? Like, in in my art, in my performances? Yeah, Well, the demon stuff was born in 2018 like summer 2018 so like a few years now yeah yeah i definitely did it for like a solid two years and what kind of stuff were you noticing like before you talked to spiritual people and shamans and stuff like what sort of stuff were you noticing was happening uh, in your life that popped up some flags there was a lot of unsavory people around me right and the typical LA shit because I'm from Canada and like I had just moved to LA right so I really fell in I think with p- shady people the wrong crowd people that weren't genuine yeah was it like a Hollywood crowd there's there's that I feel like I've been in and out of different pockets because like I used to model for American Apparel too and was like in LA for that and that's a whole other world yeah which we have an hour we'll talk about all that stuff <laughs> yeah and even like yeah the Hollywood world like I have some fucking stories from that shit, but this is more, I feel like it was more of like downtown LA. The warehouse underbelly. Yeah, that shit. Yeah, right. Because I kind of just like started playing a lot of shows there. So then it just became my scene and like who I was around and whatever. And there was that kind of stuff. And then, but also just there was a really insane experience where like this girl I knew from Toronto, like we had hung out, whatever. It's such a long, crazy story, but like basically like 
she turned into like something like snapped and she like turned into like she was like possessed yeah wow and and like going like seizuring and like doing and saying crazy shit burning herself with a candle and like oh my god yeah doing all this shit and like she's not like a goth girl who's like ooh like whatever she's like gucci choker like fucking done up like not not into that shit at all like a girly girl yeah yeah and like this happened to her and she has no idea she doesn't remember anything where was this at in my apartment. Oh my god! What you guys were just hanging out, or? Um, yeah, like she came to LA for like her sugar daddy or whatever, oh, and like wow. we met up, and then like we went back to my apartment after, and like it this it just like happened to her, and it was fucking insane. And at the time, I was living across from the Blue Scientology Center. Like, oh, yeah. I lived there for a year when I came to LA, and I was like, all I saw out my window. Every day was the Scientology sign and like the, the weird ass cross. I would like walk to get coffee and see Dave Miscavige Whoa. sitting there and like I looked him in the eye and I was just like, oh my God, I just like looked pure fucking evil in the eye. Wow. And then even like with my music stuff, like the people who I was working with and stuff, like it was just, it was a lot. So it's just heavy, like bad vibes, and yeah. someone got fucking possessed in your apartment. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. How long ago was that? Uh, It was like 2019, like yeah. I want to say like February or March. So so the possession wasn't like the rock bottom for the, for the demonic shit. Like you stuck with it for a little while after that still. Yeah. Was there a final straw like that pushed you away from it? Yeah, I um, just signed to Roadrunner, and I wanted to do a performance, like, because it's performance art, what I do, and I wanted, and it represents things that are personal to me, so, like, I wanted to just begin the manifestation of being happier, being safe, being around good people, so I was like, I'm going to kill off the demon and it's like my resurrection video and like two angels are gonna come save me from him and then we're gonna sacrifice him and kill him and everything and it was like a couple days before I was supposed to shoot it and I ended up having this like crazy manic episode that lasted seven days where I wasn't sleeping or eating or drinking and I wasn't on drugs or anything I was just like fucking vibrating inside like so on and I really was like losing my mind and I think what that was was like well I know what it was it was all the trauma that I went through as a kid and everything that had never surfaced because it was just so deep inside and just so normalized for so long that it was like it's so attached to the demon and like what happens between me and the demon and everything and and just the chaos that it brought in my real life and it was just so much that it made all of that like come out of me in one day wow and in that day like my my life changed forever that day because everything came out I understood everything I understood like the mental disorders that I have and like who I am and what I've been through and what's going on, who's a good person, who's not, like starting to learn that and everything. And it just kind of like really changed my life. Like, wow. 
I'll never be the same and so in that the was best just, way. That was pretty recently. Yeah, that was May. Wow. Holy smokes. The manic episode makes me wonder, and forgive me if this is too forward, do you have like a history of, you know, bipolar or depression stuff or like, you know what I mean? Like, have have you been uh, medicated as a kid or anything like that? No, I, I didn't get anything. I didn't even get therapy. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like why it built up so much. So you is, had like a lot of suppressed trauma. Lot I've ne- I've never been diagnosed. I've yeah. never spoken my truth and have you spoken to people since uh, ther- therapist wise yeah i started what did they say about that p- particular episode that episode um i got a psychiatric evaluation after it too oh, wow. because like i saw yeah a ghost like i left my body like it was just like the craziest thing and i wanted to make sure that i wasn't Going completely crazy. insane yeah yeah and even the like my therapist is amazing but the at the psychiatric evaluation she was like you know yourself and i really think that you know this just happened to you and you know yourself trust yourself like if you feel like this is real and you're not crazy then like this is amazing and i i felt that holy shit so it's been a heavy year the yeah the most pivotal year of my life no shit well, take me back to the beginning of life. You said you're from Canada? Yeah, Are you Toronto. F- you're from Toronto. Born and raised? Yeah. Yeah. How how long has your family been in Toronto for generations or Um, my grandparents on both sides are Swedish. Yeah. And then my parents Yeah, Toronto. Born and raised. So the Swedes immigrated over to Toronto yeah. and and so your parents are born there too. Or born in, in Canada, yeah. Yeah. What do your folks do for work in Toronto? Well, my mom died when I was 14. Sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, So then my dad, he's been, my whole life he's been like working, doing, um, he works at a car manufacturing, car part manufacturing, shipping materials manager. Yeah. But he's retired now. Okay. But yeah, that's Siblings? I have a brother. Older or younger? When you're older. So you're the younger sister. Yeah. So d- did he feel like it was his responsibility to look out for you and protect you from his friends? It's it's pretty dark. Like, my my life story is pretty dark, I would say. I'll, like I'll go as far as you would like to go or as comfortable with what you want to tell. Like, I'm not going to push you to, to, like, delve deep into shit. But if you want to, people relate to these things and love to hear it. You yeah, know? I mean, I think it's important for me yeah. to be open about what I experienced yeah. because... I think there's so much shame and there's yeah. so many people who that I talk to that relate to my pain through my music. And I feel like if I didn't have the conversation along with the music, then it's less impactful. Like, it's lost in translation. Yeah. And and like it's almost like more important to me, this connection I have with these people about right. our pain than it is like the music, right, you know, like right. it's it's powerful. Totally. So yeah, my brother, like when my mom died, we kind of just like stopped talking to each other and didn't oh, ever talk to each other again. So we're estranged. Oh, wow. That's horrible. Um, is What happened with your mom? She had breast cancer. Yeah, I'm, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Brutal. Yeah, so brutal. Uh, was it fast or did you have to watch her? 
I want to tell you some of my stories so you don't feel so fucking uncomfortable telling yeah. you this. My dad uh, got Alzheimer's when I was 25 years old, 26 okay. years old. He was 54. Oh. So for 10 years, I sat and watched my dad like wither away oh, uh, yeah. at, while I was in my, you know, 20, like at a time where I should have been getting fatherly advice from him. I was just sitting there watching him totally turn into, uh, you know, a brain dead skeleton after a certain point you know yeah. what i'm saying and so i i can totally empathize with what it's like to watch a parent kind of disappear before your eyes you had to do it at a, at a much younger age than me and and that's fucking terrible um but i also have to wonder how that affects like the teenage mind because that's really the the time that you're coming into yourself you yeah know? yeah yeah especially like for me it was it was the summer before i went to high school yeah that's like the most formative time yeah yeah definitely and yeah, even like watching your parent feel sad or in pain is so horrible, but it's like... They're, they're invincible to you when you're that age. They, you shouldn't watch them be in pain. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, it was... I mean, she had it and then kind of it was okay and then she got it back and then it was not okay and it was like very messy. A lot of things went wrong. Like she had... Um, like the radiation, they overdid it. So she had burns all over herself. She had a mastectomy. They removed the wrong part. Like oh my God. it was a lot of stuff. And, but I was so young and like, she was so adamant that she was going to be okay. That like, I never thought in a million years, anything would ever happen. And then my dad, he's like not equipped for anything of that sort. I mean, who is, but yeah. it was, I guess, like getting to a point and then I thought we were going to go pick her up one day to go to a cottage and then on the way there my dad's like no she's gonna die today and then it was that day but it took it, it was like very slow and hours and hours all through the night just like yeah. sitting with her and saying goodbyes and stuff yeah, yeah and like it was it seemed so painful and so long it's just like yeah. fuck I never want to experience that and mm. Having to watch it was like experiencing it. How does that change your life at that point? I know that's like a very broad question, but I mean, did you go from like a happy childhood to like now you're just awake to the misery of the world and, and your whole persona changes or, or, or did you just kind of like carry on as if? Um, I think, well, it was like... I was on every sports team. Like, yeah. I was female athlete of the year, grade eight. It was the only award I ever got. Like, wow. I was really into that. I had great grades. I was. You're like, tall. Were you a hooper? Were you playing basketball? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 I did all right. Yeah. And I had like I was popular. I had friends. Like it was. But then I like it was. I loved Britney Spears and stuff. But then I also like loved Limp Bizkit and Marilyn Manson. Yeah. So I guess like I don't understand like why I was so drawn to that darkness so much because it was before anything bad ever happened to me. Right. So I like, I I wonder about that sometimes. Yeah. But then after, I guess like I stopped giving a shit. I was very in shock and very numb yeah. and was not popular, wasn't on any sports teams, like just would like smoke weed with the fucking white trash kids at my school yeah and yeah it was like I was just a numb person basically before your mom died did you prioritize school were you like a good student I never cared about school yeah 
Like I knew I never wanted to continue with it. So then after she dies, it must just be like complete fuck school. Yeah. 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 Skipping a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What would you guys go do? Just go smoke weed? Yeah. Under a bridge or like we would call it Juicy Fridays where we'd like go to someone's house and steal all their parents' liquor. Yeah. yeah. But I also had started after my mom died, everyone decided it'd be great for me to start modeling. Yeah. So then I was like going to Milan at 16 by myself, living there, doing that. At 16, did you already look kind of like how you look right now? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, size wise, like you were, you looked like a grown woman at that point. I was tall and skinny. Because I have to, I have to think like with the modeling world and the independence that that brings, there's probably just like a lot of problematic characters in that world who are taking advantage of like young women who look like adults, but are not adults. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But even don't look like adults, which is fucked up. Like I was shooting bridal like wedding dresses magazines when i was like 15 yeah wow like that's so weird how does the modeling thing start like you're you're 15 16 14 oh 14 and somebody just says like oh hey you look like a model go what did you have to like go try out somewhere or go to an agency or something no my mom's family friends i thought that would be a nice thing for me uh like a good hobby to take your mind off of it yeah and so they happened to know some photographer and i went and did pictures with him and then he worked with this agency already so he's like um you should go meet them and then i signed with them and how long is it until that's sending you all over the world i where did i go first i went to uh Ecuador when I was 15 yeah, for a modeling competition, which I recently just found out was organized by Jeffrey Epstein and his best friend. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> How did you just find that out? Conspiracy videos. And I was like, why do I know that name? MC squared. And then I was like, oh my fucking God. Because uh, he, Jeffrey Epstein funded and founded an agency called MC Squared, and it was in, like, Miami and New York and Israel. Yeah. And he had his best friend, this guy Jean-Luc Brunel, uh-huh. uh, run the agency. So they put on a modeling competition in Ecuador, and it was 50 girls age 14 to 17 from around the world, from every country. Yeah. And it was, like... A lot of money put into this. And it was, like, something wasn't right about it the whole time. It was really weird. And... It was this huge competition. I lost the competition. And then um, Jean-Luc Brunel had been like, he went for dinner with my dad, had spoken to my dad and stuff, and he wanted to sign me and have me move to Miami at 16 and, like, live in Miami and model and stuff. And, like, and me and my dad went there, and I signed. They got me my visa Mm -hmm. to move to America. And then, like... A week before, I decided, like, I never liked modeling. I thought it was so stupid. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go to Sweden and, like, visit my mom's family. And they can't say no to that um, so I can get out of, like, going. Right. And so I went to Sweden instead. Yeah. And then they were pissed at me and were like, you have to come here after, whatever. I ended up quitting modeling for a couple years. And, yeah, I just found out, like, a few months ago that that decision probably like saved your fucking life yeah yeah because right. i wasn't going to miami for modeling like 
at that age, like, I looked like a little boy. Like, I had short, really short hair and, like, was just so young, like, real-looking, pale. Like, Miami market for modeling is not that. Right. It's more like uh, commercial a commercial look? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. like blonde, yeah. titties, bikini, you know? Like right. not not what I look like. Right. So I, I, after Sweden, what do you move back to Toronto? Yeah. Well, I only went there for a few months. For a few months, yeah. Yeah, so then I'm back in Toronto and I start my all-girl punk band Dentata. Okay. So this is your first stint in music? Yeah. How did you even come to that point? Like, what inspired you to start a band? Well, not including I played tambourine in a ska band in high school. But, like, I was just so desperate to be in a band, you know, that I was like, fuck it, I'll be the best tambourine player ever. (laughs) You were in a ska band and you played tambourine. How old were you when that happened? Um, 15, 16. Yeah. And these are, like, the burnout kids that you would smoke weed with or what? (laughs) Yeah. Did you have like I don't know like big checkered pants with the uh, No 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 the, I no. did not. Okay. I was not doing that. Okay. All I right. always had my own individual style. Yeah, sick. So what kind of music was inspiring Dentata? Nirvana, Hole, Black Sabbath, Motorhead. So like metal and grunge and shit. Yeah. He- heavy guitar rock. Yeah. Were you just going to sing or did you play instruments? I played guitar. You played guitar. Yeah. How'd you pick that up? I started playing uh, acoustic guitar because my uncles gave me a guitar yeah and it's crazy because like I just realized this now too with my whole like awakening of realizing what the fuck my life is but like I wasn't really I didn't have anyone to talk to or anything or to express my feelings to and so I realized what I did was I just would play acoustic guitar and write songs about how I felt and that's kind of just how I started and I never showed anyone those yeah. songs ever in my life it was like just like, like a, your own personal diary yeah yeah and yeah that's how I started and also I would just like go on ultimateguitar.com and learn like every whole song Tabs and Nirvana. And yeah yeah right so did any of those songs from the diary make it into Dentata no. How did you come up with the name Dentata? Because I was not familiar with that as a word until that movie came out. And that was sometime later, I feel like. Yeah, I don't even remember. Like, my friend Kate, she says that she came up with it. But, like, it was before It was before I saw the movie Teeth. It wasn't because of the oh, movie yeah, Teeth. Teeth. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't know, I was really into feminist shit at the time like this movie i spit on your grave Uh super into that movie it's a rape revenge movie and i there's also like all this mythology behind it too so we were brainstorming about what to name the band and is your real name dana yeah oh so that's like just has a jingle to it anyhow yeah like i never was like i'm dana dentata i never did that it was like the band was dentata so then people just called me dana dentata yeah right right how did you put the band together? Um, my first boyfriend, when I was 18, he was in a band in Toronto. And there was a girl in the band, this girl Tamsin, who played, I think she played bass. No, she didn't play bass in the band. What did she play? I think she, did so you, she. I feel like Tamsin should have been a tambourine player because then you got tambourine Tams. <laughs> Well, she played, she can play like every instrument. I can't remember right now what she played in that band. 
But so I knew her and she was cool. And we talked about it. Like, I just really wanted a girl band. Like, I loved Hole and Babes and Toyland and, like, all that stuff. Bikini Kill. Yeah. Hell yeah. And um, then there was this other, like, duo that was a couple that were drummers. And the one girl, Alex, she's a super sick drummer. So we just, like, got her. Yeah. And, yeah. And did you guys play out a lot? We played a lot of shows in Toronto. Yeah. Because we never released any music. Like, we recorded two albums in a studio, but we never released any of it. Oh, no shit. So we were just known for our shows because I was doing performance art and stuff then, too. And we, we went all out. We Are you crazy. still in high school at this point, or did you drop out? Did you graduate? No, I I had to go to, a, what do you call it? Alternative. School. Yeah. Yeah. Alternative and school. And get, like, your GED or something? I didn't even. I failed. Wow. Dropped out. You did not give a fuck about I did school. not give a fuck. Well, also when I was in the, when I was held back in the thing, my house burned down. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was like, there was just so much shit going on. It was just. And during all of this as well, you and your brother are already estranging from each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. What happened with that? Why did you guys stop talking to each other? I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Do you, in your heart of hearts, wish that you could like talk it out or? or... Of course. Yeah. 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 Where is he? In Toronto. Are you going to reach out? I mean, I've tried. Like, I feel like I've tried, and yeah. it's it's too painful to try. And, yeah, and uh, if he doesn't want to. Yeah. Right, right. If he ever wants to come around, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. Well, I happen to have him on the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is that kind of podcast. Um, <laughs> Got Maury for a sec. Yeah, exactly. Uh, come on out. No. Um, okay, so you're like not even 18 yet playing shows as Dentata, right? Yeah, 18. At, you're 18. Okay. What does performance art look like? Are, are you like, I, I, I don't know. I have a feeling it was probably pretty wild. It, yeah, there's a couple videos on YouTube. Yeah, if you dig. But um, we had a giant coffin, a giant wooden coffin, uh-huh. and it had a giant vagina on the front. Mm-hmm. So the entrance of it was a vagina. So we'd have one of our drag friends like hide in the coffin. Yeah, and then there's a song that would be it's about giving birth to Satan's baby, and so then like our friend would like crawl out of the coffin and. Or I'd put a snake down my pants or eat a tampon or chop stuff up. What else? Pig heads. You would eat a tampon? Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> seems really gross. Yikes. Worth it. Yeah. A uh, real snake or a rubber snake? Rubber. Okay. <laughs> that's scary. Yeah. That's also, like, not nice for the snake. Yeah, that's animal abuse for Yeah. Him. Well, I mean, you know, depending. It's so loud for him. <laughs> I don't even know if they hear. Jeez. What's the reaction like in Toronto? Are you guys getting a little bit of press or buzz or anything? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we had a cult following. Yeah. And despite not having music, like the music scene in Toronto at the time was like so sick. There were so many sick bands yeah. and talented musicians. So there was just, it was just really fun. Like everybody was in a band. Wow. All during this time, you're also modeling on the side or is that how you're paying the bills Mm, i was still modeling yeah but like being too drunk to show up or like being late and getting yelled at and like just like being told i'm not skinny enough oh wow yeah all that kind of shit you're mad thin oh even when i was um 
15 years old, like way skinnier than now yeah. even, they t- were telling me, can't you just drink a lot of coffee? Holy shit. Yeah. That's abusive. Yeah. Are you living at home with dad that whole time? Yeah. Is he noticing your behavior getting out of control? Because if you're like getting too drunk to show up to gigs. Oh, well, no. At that point, my house had burned down. So I was like downtown, like bumming anywhere I could. What did your dad do when your house burned down? Um, Well, we didn't have insurance. So he. This is such a tragedy story. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a lot of shit. The he ended up because we didn't have insurance. He gutted the house himself and rebuilt the house himself. Damn, what a what a man. Yeah. Wow. And so you're just kind of couch crashing and living like an artsy fartsy life, huh? Uh, yeah, just keep taking me through it. Then what happens? <laughs> okay, so yeah, I'm in the band, we're playing shows. Um and oh, I start waitressing at the strip club downtown okay brass rail and everyone knows that waitressing at a strip club very quickly leads to actually dancing at the strip club because <laughs> the waitresses see how much the the dancers actually make yeah right yeah okay so I, I, i've been around strip clubs a little bit yeah i know what happens well and it was like it was a great club like yeah. where like the same staff have been there forever it's like mm-hmm. very tight vibe good vibe mm-hmm. safe yeah what are what's the toronto strip club scene like um, full nude full nude full contact with alcohol alcohol full contact what does that mean it means you can touch everywhere but the cookie holy smokes yeah wow <laughs> that sounds intense yeah, i've never been to one of those it's not like that over here yeah right? not at all yeah. No, 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 no. i mean they should just make it like yeah you can't even be full nude in california if there's alcohol at the club yeah yeah gotta keep the bottoms on yeah crazy so uh you start waitressing as an 18 year old yeah, no, 19, because that's the drinking age. Yeah, and so you're just cocktail waitress, right? Yeah. Uh, so how long do you work there before you start dancing? I I worked there for two years, yeah. and then as I was working there, that's when Dove from American Apparel found me. Oh, wow. Through what, MySpace or something? No, through this photographer named Petra. Yeah, yeah. And Dove is like a creep in his own right, obviously. He's wild. Yeah. I don't, I mean, Person. I, yeah, uh, you know, you guys can Google him. There's plenty of, there's plenty of stuff about that. So he finds you and calls you and says, what, move to LA? Well, I did a photo shoot with him in Toronto. He was in Toronto. Yeah. And the girl was like, she's like, oh, like this guy does shooting. Like you don't have to go if you don't want to. And I was like, why? And I Googled it and saw like eight sexual assault allegations and stuff. And yeah. I think where I was at in my life with like the band and, um, working at a strip club where like you're dealing with like that sort of thing for some reason like, I, would, I can handle this yeah I was like bring it the fuck on I wish yeah. a bitch would yeah, yeah. like I right. almost was like let's let a motherfucker try me yeah you know? right and so I went and did the shoot and it was like he's a great photographer like aside from like what anything else like as a photographer like he was a really good photographer and I had been modeling for so long it was like the photo shoot, like the pictures came out great. Yeah. And I remember like being in the waitress change room at the strip club and there's like powder all over the table and it's like so dirty and shit. And like he just calls me and he's like, I want you to be the face of my company. I want to move you to LA and I'm going to change your life and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, crazy dude. Mm-hmm. And like, whatever, I don't believe him or anything. And then he ended up making 
that campaign like worldwide. It was like on the back of Vogue and like every billboard and all this shit like that. No shoot way. ended up being everywhere. Yeah. And I went, ended up like he was traveling with a team of a lot of people and he was in Montreal, New York and stuff. And I ended up like going and being the model, but also like designing stuff. And like, wow. I was kind of like amused to him and yeah, no shit. Yeah. And then I, and then I ended up moving to LA. I lived in his house yeah oh yeah because he had like the american apparel mansion or something right? yeah i lived there i feel like i knew other girls that lived there too there's points. been a lot of girls going yeah. in and out of there yeah, yeah right and what's that like it was wild because i i was like the last american apparel model of his run there uh before like he got kicked out the company for being too problematic well it it wasn't that's not what ended up getting him out. Oh. It was uh, like as I started like going along and like being there and being involved in everything, the company, like the warehouse manufacturing oh, yeah. place, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like there was all these issues where like the business was failing. Like it, it was like getting really bad. They were losing a fuckload of money. And so he ended up he ended up living in that warehouse. He made them install like a shower and stuff and like had a bed on the floor and he was there day in, day out trying to save it. So I was living in his house with all these girls and the housekeeper yeah. and stuff without him there. Just like doing whatever I want. Are you like the house mom or something? Like of the house? Yeah. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, there's there was like different... Like, was there a hierarchy of the girls that lived there? Yes, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. There's, a, there's like, a hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And where did you sit in that hierarchy? I was kind of, like, this wild card because I didn't have any sort of, like, uh, intimate relationship with him. And I was just, like, also doing my own thing a lot yeah. and kind of... So you were his muse, but he never, like, tried to take it farther. No. Yeah. Well, that's good. You, you, made, Somehow, it out, you I, made it out clear of that one. Yeah, I think it was it was like the almost like alter ego of like I'll fucking beat the shit out of you, and I think also like he loved that, you know, that was entertaining for him. Right, that you were like this tough, uh, take no shit type girl. Yeah. Right. Um, what happens to the music after you move to LA? Dentata breaks up. Dentata had broken up. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, I'm gonna do my solo thing now. And so I was doing that on the side. Like, I was, like, trying to meet up with producers and, like, get some shit going. And it was, like, I was just meeting all the wrong shittiest people, you know? Like, yeah. just people who weren't actually interested in trying to take advantage. And, yeah, it was yeah. just, these it was are, really These hard. are more, like, the Hollywood type. Like, and the reason I say Hollywood types, I always think, like, people, there's two L.A.s, you yeah. know? There's, like... The real LA, and I kind of put the warehouse downtown LA in more of the real LA section of this. And then there's like the, I just moved here and I want to be around the fucking parties and the coke and the and and the clubs. And those are like the Hollywood types who promise you the world and say, oh, I can do this for you and whatever. Yeah. And those people aren't. That's not real LA. No. So are those the people that you're meeting when you first get here? There was there was a lot of that. Yeah. 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 yeah I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Totally. How long is it in, before you meet your people? Um, honestly, I, I'm only kind of meeting my people now. Right now. So it's been just like me going through this storm of shit people. Like yeah. it, and it's, how long have you been here? I've been here for, I guess, 
two and a half years now. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, two and a half years. The American Apparel shit must have happened longer ago than that, right? Yeah, that was years ago. That was like six years ago. And then did you like move back to Toronto for a while or something? Yeah, and was dancing. Oh, okay. So when you're living in that house, uh, and but Dove is living in the mansion, yeah, right. And you start doing your Dana Dentata thing, like solo thing, right? But that wasn't even. I was just going by Dana. You're just going point. by Dana. Yeah. And so you're trying to find producers and stuff. Yeah. Did you make any music that kind of you were proud of at that point? I don't know. Like I, I was trying to figure it out. Like yeah. I didn't know how to go from being in a band writing songs on guitar to like working with someone else and relying on them to create what was in my mind like I really wish I would have just learned how to produce because it would have saved me years of hassle right but yeah it took a really long time to figure out there's like a couple songs where it's like it's okay but like I'm I'm more of like the Dentata songs like I feel more in my heart than those you know I got you does it get to the point where while you're at that American Apparel house, you're playing any shows as Dana? No. No. So it's really just kind of an idea at that point that's not really coming to fruition yet. Yeah. And so how long do you last in L.A. during that stint? Um, well, then the company went under. Yeah. That was a bit, man, R.I.P. American Apparel. I really used to love their t-shirts, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, it's still going. It's just owned by Gildan now. Yeah, which is like, it's, it was, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. That, that's it era's over yeah they say it, i mean that really was like a defining era of those like 2005 to 2014 maybe 13 i don't know yeah yeah it's great the ads everything yeah totally so the, when the company goes under what happens does the, the mansion's gone no but i dipped back to canada yeah and what made you want to do that um it just was like th- a dark scene you know like it was like not the kind of vibe I wanted to be around. And, like, also people like him who are their brains, like, when they have a lot of big ideas and they're successful and things like that, their brains work so fast. And it's just, like, everyone in the room is constantly absorbed by that one person. Yeah. And I wanted to put something into myself you know yeah. i don't i didn't want to spend the rest of my life like giving... it's like a cult of personality built around him kind of yeah. yeah oh it's it's definitely a cult i would say or it was a cult yeah, yeah. thousand percent it oh, was a wow. cult no shit yeah so you just felt the need to get out of there yeah so you moved back to canadia well i also didn't have like legitimate paperwork either so at oh, okay. a certain point you gotta go i didn't want to like get in trouble right right do you move back in with dad or you go get your own spot No, so when I was, when I, the first show Dentata played, there was these two women there, this couple, and they were a bit older than me and approached me, and they were, like, kind of in the music scene and everything, and they ended up kind of, like, being a major support system in my life, and I call them my earth mothers because they're like family to me you know and they've they've always had me they've always like looked out for me and when I needed somewhere to stay I would stay with them and ever since then so so you went and crashed at their spot yeah yeah but you go back to the club yeah well I was a little bit like embarrassed to go back yeah 
because you know it's like oh I left to like go be live this glamorous life yeah yeah so if it, it felt like maybe you had been defeated or something right yeah like I'm regressing like yeah. I'm supposed to like go up and now Backwards I'm back hustling back to the hustle yeah and also it was like that's when I was shifting from waitress to dancer and like my manager like the bartender like he was just like shaking his head when he saw me like no why are you doing this all yeah. this shit what's that transition like uh for your mental health or your well-being well i also recently found out i have dissociation disorder so it's made a lot of that stuff make sense cuz i can just leave my body and not even be there yeah you can be desensitized yeah. and not necessarily feel and not really be there you know you're just kind of like wow in the corner of a room somewhere that's what the th- the recent therapy has been teaching you oh, yeah. wow so you're doing a lot of dis- disassociating or- i think i dissociated for the last 15 years holy shit because it was based on an event that happened to me when I was 16 and so like once I identified that it was like it it made sense yeah so you've just been kind of numb to a lot of stuff for a lot of years in in a survival mode like panic survival mode wow so my life is looking a lot different now than what I was used to yeah right um how long does your stint at the club that time last how much longer are you in Toronto Um, it was like, I think I did it for like a little over a year. Yeah. And then I ended up meeting a guy there and dating him. A customer? Oh, wow. Yeah. That Trust No Dick is about that experience. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what a mistake it was. But yeah, so then I ended up leaving dancing for that relationship and just being in that relationship and then kind of like going to LA sometimes and it was a really bad relationship and kind of just yeah it I was working on my music but it still wasn't like the kind of style that I wanted like I didn't have people who were like yeah rap or you know like what were you listening to at that point had your tastes changed yeah I was listening to a lot more like popular music because I had I was like just so into metal for a while yeah a couple years where it was just like metal 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 and then I was like damn I need other shit and like hearing all the music at the strip clubs like I I discovered a lot of different kinds of music electronic dubstep R&B did you have a one artist that you like dancing to the most Hmm. there was like my earlier days of dancing, I was doing more like dubstep and everything. But oh, then, no shit. Yeah. but then when I went back to dancing, when I had the mullet, yeah, I was my set was um, like my favorite set was Kid Rock Cowboy. Wow, Warrant, uh, Cherry Pie, Cherry Pie. Wow, that's strip club classic. Right Pour there. some sugar on me. Yeah, De- Def Leppard. Yeah, gotta love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would have pictured you as someone that would dance to like uh, "Beautiful People" by Marilyn Manson. <laughs> There's always that girl at a club. I've, yeah, I know, and I didn't want to be that girl. <laughs> didn't want to be her. <laughs> you know her. Um, yes, I do. I yeah. know seven of her. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Did Dentata ever get back together when you were in Toronto at that point? No. No. Did you Did you stay friends with any of those girls? Yeah, we still talk. Yeah, cool. Yeah, all we right. definitely want to do. A, uh, reunion show 
in Toronto at that point while you're in that uh, relationship that's not so good? I mean, was it like a controlling, abusive relationship? Yes. Yeah. Did he let you go out and try to make music or were you kind of like confined to his rules? Yeah, no, he didn't care if I went out and made music or anything. Yeah. It was more like uh, how I looked. and The older guy? Yeah. Yeah. Doctor. Oh, yeah. Religious. So he had, he had the balance of the power because he had a lot of money or something. Mm, he was he's just more like older yeah. man. He had two kids. Like oh, wow. it yeah. was what I thought was stability. It seemed at stable. The time. But then now you look back and realize it was not. Yeah. Well, over time, just kind of wiped my personality and like, you know, I was just like a shell of a person. I didn't look like myself at all. And I was just. Yeah, not. I wasn't me. Were you like dissociated that whole time? A hundred percent. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. How do you get out of that relationship? So, um, it's pretty crazy. Like the the Me Too movement. Yeah. Started to go down with the Harvey stuff, and I knew that the whole thing was going to come. Like once I had heard one thing about him, I was like, oh, there's about to be an avalanche go down. Like, and I was checking every day. Like I know some crazy shit's going to happen. And what ended up happening was uh, Alice Glass from Crystal Castles. Yeah. She me tooed her band member mm-hmm. and she put out a public statement of what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And... I read it and realized everything that happened to her also happened to me by him. By the same guy? Yeah, when I was 16. Oh, so this is the traumatic event that made you dissociate the first time? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it was, it's something that like had never surfaced in me before. And so it's like, I'm, I'm in this relationship at this point in my life and, and not really like acknowledging any of my trauma or understanding like I have disorders like I need attention because it was just such an abusive relationship yeah so that happened and I connected with her and like a lot of shit went down to try and like make some justice happen oh so you reached out to her like hey I know this story because it happened to me as well yeah holy shit i didn't know that yeah because i didn't want her to feel for a second like she was alone or you know that anyone could think she was crazy or anything and also it's crazy to have like this trauma where there's a person who knows exactly what you you experienced yeah yeah so there was like kind of like reaching out for some sort of like support yeah spiritual kindredness or something yeah yeah and does this awakening make you realize that you're stuck in like an abusive relationship or something no i actually like uh when i so like this starts happening i go to the station and do the whole interview and everything and like tell the police what, what happened to me and then i get home and he broke up with me and kicked me out and that was the last time I ever saw him like immediately the doctor guy yeah what do you do when he does that when he breaks up with me yeah like kicks you out I go back to my earth mommies for the earth moms yeah yeah and they kind of help you and and rescue you for the time being yeah yeah and then I go back to dancing okay 
And um, I, yeah, then what? <laughs> I know, right? Well, I'm on the edge of my seat. This is a this is a biopic. Yeah, was, yeah, like life is a movie for real. It's a fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like all that while, like while shit was just fucked up and going down. Like I'd been working on getting my immigration papers so you could move to so i could go to la yeah Yeah. and i after that relationship i was like you know what like i feel like i have one more chance at life Mm -hmm. i feel like i was like living in a hell for so long and i just like i had just i felt so fucking free and like i can go anywhere and do anything and like i just was like fuck it i'm gonna go to la and go so hard for myself and yeah. go so fucking hard on my music and give it everything i've got yeah so you start saving up money start dancing i yeah. was i was doing like noon to 3 a.m oh like my back to back to back to back to back double shifts like just, just like let's fucking go baby yeah 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 and then uh, when the immigration papers come through, like, that's it? You just dip out? Yeah. What was your plan when you got here? Um, I was like, all right, so I have credit cards, and I'll just use those credit cards till they run out. Because, like, a couple, like, a long time ago, this guy at the bank, like, I think he was, like, trying to hit on me and gave me a bigger limit than I should have had, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I had no business having that. But, like, shout out to that guy because that's fucking save my life you know and so I was like you know what like I'll just like give it all I've got and then if my credit card runs out then I just got to go back to dancing in Toronto but like I if like I can't be a pussy you know it's like if is fear gonna hold me back from that like no because I can always dance and like pay it off or whatever and figure it out right so I was like might as well just like go so hard and not worry about it and deal with it later right totally so so yeah. you moved down here to just live off credit. Yeah. Well, I had a little bit saved from dancing. Yeah. How, did you have people down here? Like, did you have some place to live? What did you do? Yeah, yeah. I have, because I had been coming back and, back forth, and forth for so long, so I had friends and okay. stuff. And so, do you crash on couches for a little while till you find your own spot? My friend Sylvia was amazing, and I stayed with her for a month or two, and then I started like subletting places yeah right yeah how does this affect the music journey like what do you do in those first months when you're down here to start becoming like dana dentata well at first i was so it was just like so many years of like working with producers where like they weren't understanding what i wanted to do and the sound and like it wasn't working and so like i was like in such a rush to have songs that because it'd been so stagnant for so long that um, I just like scoured YouTube and SoundCloud for free beats and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of beats just found like the best ones I could. You can like rent them for like 20 bucks. Right. And I found those and I recorded a bunch of songs with a USB mic on GarageBand with those YouTube ripped beats and because I was like, if I have songs, I could play a show, and I just need to get the shows going. What um, what was your tight beat that you were looking up on YouTube? Oh, the tight beats. Yeah. Fuck, what tight beats was I looking at? Scary tight beats, Scary like type spooky beats. type beats, yeah. creepy type Halloween beats, Halloween type beats, heavy type beat, yeah. trap, 
trap metal beat whatever okay yeah yeah so that's what you're looking for yeah i was looking for some shit that i could rap and so you just start laying shit down at the crib like you just had like a little mic or a little interface or something little usb snowball mic oh that's it yeah yeah, yeah. into garage band yeah yeah and do you start figuring out how to like mix and master your or like mix your stuff so it sounds good i was mixing it to my best ability yeah, yeah. on the garage band yeah yeah totally yeah is, i think i made it work nice and so what happens people start noticing well so then I have the songs and I had actually Tamsin from my band yeah, like Tambourine come Tam. out. Tamri and Tam came yeah. out to LA yeah. to play. I put on a show at Cheetah's. Oh yeah, the the bikini bar. Yeah. I played shows there, believe it or not. Well yeah, they have a bunch of bands yeah, there. Long ago, yeah, yeah. It's so sick. Yeah. And uh yeah, so I put together a girl band. Again, I wanted a girl band to play on stage at Cheetahs. I was like, that's going to be my first show. And that's going to like represent me, you know, like my transition from like dancing to like this now. And like I can do it all at the same time. It'll be sick. So I do that. And a lot of people came. And as soon as I played that one show, I just started playing a bunch more shows. It just went. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It makes me wonder, like, if during that time when you're making the songs in your bedroom, like... You know, obviously Instagram was a thing like where you already you have such a defined look where you already getting popular on Instagram before there was even music. Um, I guess from like being being out a lot, you know, being at like all the. Yeah, like you're a person that can't help but see and be seen. You know, I shot with a lot of photographers and stuff like, yeah, I was. Yeah, that makes me wonder, like with your the modeling stuff, it would. After American Apparel, was that just the end of it? Or did you keep kind of like modeling here and there um, while all your other adventures are going down? Yeah, it would be like a photographer that I would know would want to. It was never like paying the bills, though. No, it's just like random times. I'd randomly do it for like a specific thing. Okay. Um, So this show at Cheetahs, that just that does that feel like. if life was a movie, is that the momentous part where the credits would roll for right now? I feel like that was just the beginning. Or that was the beginning. <laughs> that was like the intro scene? That was like Dana Dentata, this version. Comes into the world. Yeah, that's yeah. when that happened. What was what was that show like? What were the props like at that point? At Cheetahs? Yeah, at Cheetahs. Well, Cheetahs is just like having an all-girl band and dancers and yeah. pole and, you know. That was the performance art. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, it got crazier. How does it get crazier? The demons. That's when you start bringing the demons in. What made you think of the demons first? I played a warehouse party and then I saw... Was it a ham show? Yeah. 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 Or heaven. Oh, heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was heaven. Yeah, yeah. And there was this like person there that didn't, wasn't human. It was like, you know, like a whatever. I don't know. It was all orc, orc person. Yeah, yeah. And they had a sick outfit on, and I was just like, whole, and there was a girl, too, that was also like that, like with the all the orc stuff. and Like uh, ears and nose yeah, and, and like whatever. Huge yeah, lips prosthetics and, like, and everything. Like like turquoise skin. And oh, like, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, who the fuck are you? Like, I was like obsessed with this, the guy demon, just like for what it was. I was just like blown away, and like I was just like, who made you? Like, who did this? Who? And then they were like, she did. Lainey Chantel, okay. who's she is an insane artist that can just do like amazing prosthetics and like can make anything. And so then I was just like, 
wow, like this is so amazing what you do. Like I'm obsessed with this. This is so fucking cool. Right. And I was like, damn, this shit is really cool. I don't know. I was just like obsessing over it. And then I was going to play another show. I was going to play this Pornhub party. And she was like, and they had just come to that thing for fun, like just doing makeup for fun, like yeah. to go get drunk and like be a crazy person. Right. And so They're like club kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so then she's the Pornhub show I played. She's like, oh, we're going to come to your but show. How do you like get that. hooked up at a Pornhub show after like only playing a few shows in L.A.? How did that happen? I think Adam, him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I think that was him. Oh, shit. I think he was involved in that. He got his hands in everything, that guy. Yeah. Adam's one of my best friends. I don't know if you know that. Oh, yeah. I love him. Yeah, yeah. He definitely was the first one to be like, this is the shit. This goes. Like, fuck this for everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's tight. Love him. Okay, so you meet the, the girl who does the prosthetics, and you have the Pornhub show. Take me back. She's there. like, I'm going to come to your next show like that. Like, we're going to come, like, all dressed up. And I was like, well, fuck, if you're going to come. Be on stage. Be on stage. Yeah. And so then I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. I just want a chair in the middle of the stage and we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And from there, it just like was there. And then it just was what it was. And then it's I was like, oh, this is so fucking meaningful to me because I felt like anyone that was around me anyway was a demon. Like any man that was around me was an actual demon. So it was like realism. Mm-hmm. And... It was... I mean, the performance art has, like, symbolism now, for real. Yeah, know? it was yeah. literal. So, yeah, then it the narrative just started from there. What's that first show, like, at the Pornhub party with them on stage? Did people react to it, like... It was, was, it, it was wild. It was a noticeable reaction. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. Yeah, that's tight. It definitely impacted. So you're just having, like, all these triumphant shows right in a row. You're, like, yeah. riding a wave, riding a high. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, You'll sick. look back on that time at, very fondly, I'm sure, yeah. as things continue. Yeah. How long is it from those triumphant shows that you're playing to the point where legendary metal label Roadrunner finds out about you? How does that happen? I was meeting with a lot of labels yeah. at the time because I had uh, been talking to Kanye and he was really supportive of Kanye yeah. West yeah. was talking to you about signing to good? Yeah. What? How does that happen? It was what uh, the fuck? Definitely through Theophilus London. Okay. Um and then there was another person working at Good at the time. So does Theophilus just see you at a one of these warehouse shows or something? How does he find out about you? Me and Theo met um through my friend Lamar who we all had gone to this party like this there used to be do you remember Sav Noir party yeah yeah so we all went to that one yeah. night and and I was with Lamar and then Theo was there and then I had made like a garage band song like the day before yeah. and I was like oh I made this and then he was like this is so fucking sick and then he just like really supported me and no worked shit. hard for me yeah wow and so Theo gets it into Kanye's ears well we had um, seen him at a party like twice in a row. Yeah. Kanye. And, yeah. Crazy. No more parties in LA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, there were like two different parties. And then coincidentally, like this producer I know was like working with um, Che Pope from, he was at Good Music at mm -hmm. the time. And 
And so I like went to his house and then he ended up also showing him my music and stuff. And no shit. Yeah. That's wild. That happened. Man, you're really like ending up in places that I, I don't know. I feel like people live in Los Angeles for years and have zero Kanye stories <laughs> and you live here for a year and have and have two right in a row. It was like less than six months in or something that's really like wild that. yeah. yeah that's dope yeah how far along do the the good music conversations get like were there paperwork put in front of you no because also during that time he decided to step away from good music oh because okay. he d- was not down to like you know own anyone or control oh right anybody. right i remember that yeah totally totally but yeah there was there was time spent together though where like you know i will value what he taught me there was he mentored me about certain things being an artist being a visionary and kanye like, did yeah i had no idea any of this that's crazy yeah that's so tight holy shit okay wow yeah just keep going <laughs> yeah like there were a lot of things where yeah i'll take that with me forever and i'm yeah. so grateful and like wow what a amazing experience how was his mental health when you're around him he didn't seem unhinged no no seemed cool no yeah right like like i said uh, before about like dove with like people that have big vision and are geniuses in many ways you know like totally their their mind moves fast and like you're thinking about a million different things and and you have a lot going on and it's that's a part of, I think, like your brain just like functioning like yeah, that. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So then how, like, again, Roadrunner, how do they find you? Or I guess when, when Kanye's in your corner, like the rest of the industry must just find out about you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's like maybe some sort of bidding war going on or. Yeah. So, yeah. That, well, it was like, okay, so Kanye wants to sign her. So then like all these other people want to meet with me. And, and everybody's now, calling, hey, what are you, what are your plans for the future? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like. Just I was meeting with a lot of people. And Did you have a industry manager and all that stuff at this point? I was going through like multiple different managers. Like yeah. that was really lacking in my life up until recently. Yeah. But um, and also because of like the Kanye thing, like I feel like a lot of people who aren't genuine were like being really insane with like trying to be involved with me but not giving a shit about like what i am as an artist and what i'm trying to do right right so that was weird but then uh, with roadrunner like my friend ben cook from he was in the band no warning yeah he knew ricky the a and r at roadrunner at the time and i was meeting with all the labels and i went to go meet with them as well and i just felt it was just different from everybody else Uh, from every other label yeah i was the only solo female artist assigned to this label and it's 30 years of existence right like what i want to do as an artist is like shift things and thoughts and standards and i think like signing to that label i'm already doing that you know And, and it's it's needed especially in that world and how has having them in your corner changed your life oh man well like I never had any sense of stability before in my life you know and it's it's crazy because like people knock signing to a label so much but it's like what about when you have fucking nobody right and it means that means going back to the strip club you know Mm. it's like that whereas for me now it's kind of like 
I have an infrastructure and a whole team and people that actually give a shit mm-hmm. and also like budget like i've been like making music videos for like 200 dollars, like begging people to like help me out and shit for like the longest time and And now you can actually like pay the homies yeah Yeah. and and first first thing i did was get me some therapy like it's it's like anybody else like signs a deal and they get like a jewelry or a car or whatever and i got myself some fucking therapy because i know that i need it yeah right so what does roadrunner think about uh that money going to therapy and then your image changing and going like, oh, fuck, she doesn't like demons anymore. <laughs> no, they're really supportive yeah. and about my vision and where I want to go with it. And they're actually really happy for me that I'm going to be healthier and happier and safer and that's around I mean, better I mean, people. That's, that's good to have people that care about your actual well-being in your corner. Yeah, that's great. it's rare. Yeah. Very rare. Has any music come out on Roadrunner officially yet? Yeah, a couple songs from an EP I'd made before I signed, and yeah. then I've released one song. Yeah. And then I've just been working on my album. Are they putting you in rooms with people or are you just are they just like letting you go do whatever you want as far as creation goes? I can definitely go do whatever I want, right. but I I wanted they have to resources. work with them too yeah, and yeah. like I'm so open to working with whoever. So Have you been finding producers that understand what it is that you're trying to achieve? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now. Yeah, how does that feel? Oh my god, it's just like such a relief mm-hmm. yeah it's i feel like it's like i finally am doing what i want to do mm-hmm. like i finally got here i finally figured out what's true to me because when you're working with like that next level of producer where you're trying to describe what's in your head and they're actually able to make it come to life yeah that must be just such a sense of relief like, yeah oh, you finally understand me it's motivating right right That's great. So have you been busy doing a lot of work then? Yeah, I'm just writing a lot of music. Yeah, dope. And then what? What's next? Then I get to release it. Yeah. And I mean, like, (laughs) I'd say, like, then I'll go tour it, but we don't know. (sighs) Who knows? Yeah, keep holding on to it. And I've been writing this album with, like, the show for the tour of it in mind. Like, it's, like, the sound design for the show. So it's, like, I need that experience to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like making music videos. I'm releasing a music video for my single soon this month. And um, yeah, just keep working on music. Sick. Well, Dana, I'm glad that everything's working out. Yeah. That was quite a story. And like living a healthy, happy life now. Like, Yeah. You got a, you got a pet? No, but I have a boyfriend. Didn't somebody bring... Oh, well, there you go. That works. <laughs> Didn't somebody bring a pet, or didn't somebody? He's bring gonna like, get mad at me. Didn't somebody bring a that. dog or something like that when I saw you at set? Laney. Oh yeah, she had like a little. Laney's dog, yeah. Adorable. I remember that. I babysit uh, Jesse Michael from Operation Ivy. I babysit his cat all the time. No shit. So we like share that cat. I grew up loving Operation Ivy. I just found out he was in that band. They're sick. That's crazy. Oh, you just found out? I didn't know, yeah. That was like my shit when I was like 15, 16. That was <laughs> oh, my yeah. shit. Um, <laughs> so, 
I just want to wrap it up by saying thank you for being so open and honest. That was a, an amazing story. Uh, I expected nothing less. Um, after hearing the music, I thought, you know, this woman has a story to tell. And lo and She's behold, seen some shit. Yeah, she has seen some shit. Lo and behold, that is true. Um, so uh, if you're listening, be on the lookout for new music. That'll probably come in 2021 sometime. Hopefully, if the fucking pandemic ever ends, you can go see her on tour. And I'm sure that will be crazy. That said, tell the people where they can find you online. Dana Dentata, that's my Instagram at, you know, I'm Twitter, all about my Instagram. Instagram I have to go on Twitter and TikTok and all that shit more, but really, like, Instagram is my... That's your shit? Yeah. And it's just uh, Dana Dentata, D-A-N-A, yep. uh, D-E-N-T-A-T-A. Yeah. There you go. It's spelled how it sounds. You guys can Dentata. find her. Um, thank you so much for coming through. I appreciate it. Um my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me online at It's Intuition. You can follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat on Twitter and Instagram, but particularly go follow that Instagram. Also, 40 years old and started a fucking TikTok. And you know what? Hell yeah. Hit over 500 followers today in, in a week. How, how about it? Oh, um, shit. So, you know, we're figuring out the fucking TikTok algorithm. Sooner, sooner or later, I will be a full-on TikTok dance creator. No. <laughs> Um, it's hard to figure out like the i would buttons. never i would never all i'm doing is posting little uh loops of all the people that have been on the show so i'll just pick out like a little eight bar loop that works perfect and post it and sometimes they catch on youtube.com slash kind of neat where you are going to see our girl dana dentata perform what song low blood low blood and uh that said, I mean, I think that's everything. That's Dana. My name is Lee, and this was Kind of Neat. Kind of Neat.